In the book of Acts, turn with me please to Acts chapter 18. I believe last Sunday, the Lord really spoke to us. And those of you who are here, I think you'd agree if you were watching online, I hope you would agree. If you missed it, go back and get that. It's available to you. Everything that we do here at Legacy Church on a Sunday morning, we're putting for free on the Legacy Church podcast. So make sure you check that out and check into what the Lord's been saying to us. You know, what the Lord says to us on a Sunday morning in church uh, is supposed to be feeding you on a day-to-day basis. And there are a lot of questions being answered, I believe, in church on Sunday that uh, if you're not hearing them, it can be difficult to, to find it later on. Uh, I've actually experienced the Lord do this with me and Sarah from time to time when he's instructed us specifically to go away somewhere and to rest, uh, take some time away. I've had the Lord tell me, it's been a number of years ago, he said, Jeremy, I'm going to be talking to you in that place, whether you're there to hear it or not. I'm going to be talking to you in that place, whether you're there to hear it or not. What's he saying? There's something specific that you need to get, and you're only going to get it right there. Well, the same thing's true, if not more so, when it comes to the church that you're a part of. There are questions that are being answered. The Lord is speaking. Amen, everybody. The Lord is talking to us in these services and he's answering questions, whether you're here or online to hear it or not. That's why it's so important that we tune in. And the Lord really spoke to us about some things last week uh, about the growth of our church, about the explosive growth of this place. And we looked in the book of Acts, how the spirit of God hit the disciples and they were filled with the spirit and Peter spoke boldly. And that's going to be one of the big keys to our growth is being filled with the Spirit. And in case anybody's wondering, we are an Acts chapter 2 kind of church. We are Holy Spirit people. And if that turns you off or confuses you, then just hang around for a minute. Uh, Don't get upset. Don't turn anything off just yet. Find out what the Scripture says, because uh, you may want to be one of these kind of people too. In the book of Acts chapter 18... I want you to believe in God with me today. There's some things in here I'm excited to, to get out, and, and I know the Lord would say some, some powerful things to us. Acts chapter 18, look at verse 24. It says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. Verse 25 says, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only, he knew only the baptism of John. So we're being introduced here to a man named Apollos and being introduced to his ministry. And the Bible says, gives us some details about where he's from. He's born and from a, a city called Alexandria. Um, Alexandria was a city in Egypt, huge city, major city, uh, high education. Um, it was kind of a center of politics and a center, like I said, of education and commerce. There was a famous, massive library in this city. And this man, Apollos, A well-read man, an educated man. We even find out from the Bible that he was eloquent. Isn't that what it said? An eloquent man. Man, if the Bible says you're eloquent, you are eloquent. And that's what we're finding out about this guy. He's, He's got a great education. He's eloquent. He was mighty in the scriptures. The Bible tells us he came to Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He'd heard some things. Even where he was from, the the gospel, if you will, had made it to him. He heard some things. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. That means this guy was passionate. Anybody else love passionate people? You ever listen to a passionate person? And even if you didn't totally know everything they were talking about, you're like, I believe that. I'm I'm serious. People's passion can be persuasive. And we were intended by God to be passionate people, not something we put on, not something we fake, but we've been given something to be passionate about, something to be fervent in spirit, excited about. Now, you do have to be careful about this. You can't just let somebody else's passion persuade you. 
you need to be able to listen through it and find out if there's truth in it. And that's one of the things I think we're dealing with right now. Maybe we always have in the church, but we're seeing it right now. We've got passionate people and maybe even good-hearted and well-meaning, but still you and I have to have the spiritual wherewithal, if I can, to be able to look into it and say, okay, but is there truth in it? Am I hearing the truth or am I just jumping on board with somebody who's excited? Passion's a good thing, but it's got to be rooted in the truth. Here's Apollos. He's passionate, fervent in spirit. He spoke, the Bible says, and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. The baptism of John. Of course, talking about John the Baptist. And you go back through the Gospels and you look at the ministry of John the Baptist. This is somebody who, how do you even say it? The place he holds in the history of Christianity and church history and I imagine even in the halls of heaven itself. His entire life was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. There's one coming who will prepare the way of the Lord. He'll be the, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Yes. And his whole life was the fulfillment of that prophecy. Mm-hmm. And his ministry, John the Baptist, that's not because of the church he went to, it's because of what he did in his ministry, baptized people. Yeah. And we know he was an interesting guy, peculiar guy. Yeah. But we also know that the anointing was on him yeah. big, yeah. strong. And he went out to the River Jordan and he was preaching his entire ministry. It could be summed up in just a couple of words. Number one, repent. That was John the Baptist's ministry. Repent. But the other side of his ministry was there's one coming. There's another one coming. He's coming after me. Repent because there's one coming. And needless to say, he was passionate about it. I mean, people came to him, the common people. The scripture tells us that tax collectors who were some of the most hated and ruthless people of the day came to him. Soldiers in the army came to John. Uh, The the Pharisees and the scribes themselves all came out. People, some people came because they were drawn and convicted by this word and this call to repent. Others just came out to see what in the world is going on out there. But crowds, huge crowds were coming. But the message, the whole message was repent, repent, repent of your sin. And it wasn't just that it was his message. You look in the the gospels for yourself. People came and they just started confessing their sins. Now that's the anointing. That's the grace of God. That's the, 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 the moving of the spirit of God, if you will, to a degree, to the degree he was in the earth at the time. But for somebody to come and John say, repent. And they say, okay. And then just start coming out with it. I did this and I did that and I did it with that one and I did this and I stole that and I cheated. And here's people just confessing their sin. That's a big move. And there were those that John spoke to, the ones that came to hear him that were not there to repent, not there to confess. And he looked straight in the eye of the most religious people of the day. And he said, you brood of vipers. And he spoke to them so plainly and so boldly. And he said, even now, the axe is laid to the root of this tree. And whatever tree isn't bearing fruit, it will be plucked up. This man's not afraid. That's the ministry that this guy knew. You see what I'm saying? That's the ministry that Apollos had come to know. Now, this is some 50 years, well, maybe 20 years or so, I think, after Jesus had gone to the cross. But he hears about this ministry of John the Baptist. And so that's what Apollos' ministry is. What do you think Apollos is preaching? Repent, right? He knew the baptism of John. Repent, repent, repent. Now, if that's all, if that's all God had made available to us, given us the opportunity to repent, and forgiveness of our sin, if that's all he ever did, that would be wonderful. Right. 
Wouldn't it? I mean, if, if all he ever did was wash away your sin, that would be, that, that, I mean, you could say that'd be enough, right? If all he ever did was make a way for you and I to make heaven our home in eternity, if that was it, that would be enough to be thankful for. We could live every single day so grateful, so thankful. Why? Because he didn't have to do it. It wasn't like you earned it. It wasn't like I deserved it. It was a gift. And if the only message that John or Jesus or anybody ever preached, if all God ever gave anybody to say was repent and I'll forgive you, we'd have enough to be thankful for. But there's more. more. Right? Would you agree? As a matter of fact, this says he preached accurately the things of the Lord. He preached what John preached. He preached about Jesus that came after John. But he only knew the baptism of John in verse 26. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God. Check this out. More accurately. Now I thought he preached accurately. He did. But there was more. Say that out loud. There's more. He preached accurately. He preached boldly. And it was the truth. But when these two, Priscilla and Aquila, we won't get into their whole history, but they, they were partners of Paul and, and they heard him preaching and they said, yeah, man, he, he's right about that, but he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know, he doesn't know the more. He doesn't know what came after that. So the Bible says they pulled him aside. And I don't know. We don't have a lot of details about that meeting. If it was once, if it was a lunch, if it was a brunch, if it was a sit down, or if, it, if they met with each other and met with each other over and over. But whatever it was and however it came out, they explained to him, there's more. There's more. More than what? More than Repentance more than forgiveness, more than just baptism. As wonderful as all those things are, as life-changing as they are, the good news is there's more. There's more. And I don't know exactly how Apollos responded to it. I don't know if when they said, hey, there's more, he said, there's more? There's more? It gets better? It's better than this because evidently he was so passionate about what he believed that the Bible itself tells us, man, this guy's fervent in spirit. And we know from other places in scripture that when he preached, it was beautiful. It was so gracious. It was eloquent. It was persuasive. And if you were to tell this guy, hey, that's good, but there's more. You know what he'd probably say? Same thing many people have said since this day. There's more? Are you telling me there's more? I can have more. There's more to this Friendship and fellowship with God through Jesus than, than just my sins being for what do you mean there's more? No, there is. Yeah. And they pulled him aside and they began to explain to him, and I like what the Bible says, they explained to him the way of God more accurately. Mm-hmm. That word could, could mean more completely, more perfectly. Yes. There's more. Say it again, there's more. There's more. And when he desired to cross Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. Man, I thank God for the people who have helped us who believe through grace. He's talking about the ministry gifts, the pastors, the teachers, the the prophets and evangelists and apostles, the ministry gifts, those who have helped us who believe through grace. Verse 28, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. If you're like me and somebody tells you there's more, even if you're enjoying what you've got, even if what you've got is the best it's ever been. And I believe that we're we're beginning to touch some of that. I know our family is here having moved here and getting this thing started, we are experiencing things as a family we never had before. This is the best. I'm telling you the best 
we've ever had it. There's more peace in our home than there's ever been. There's more vision. There's more excitement. There's more fun. We're having more fun than we've ever had. Guess what? There's more. There's more. And if you're like me and somebody says, there's more, you're like, okay, where, how, show me, point the way. I want to know where it is. How do I get to it? Where is the door to more? Point me to the door and I'm going through it. Anybody else like that? That's the way we're supposed to be. And in the things of God, guess what? There's more. There's more. Now, verse 19, or excuse me, chapter 19, these things weren't written in chapter and verse, so let's connect them. We're talking about Apollos who came to Ephesus and he was preaching. He's preaching the baptism of John and it was good and it was right. And Priscilla and Aquila heard it and they said, that's good, man. But just guess what? Check this out. There's more. And he said, there's more. They said, there's more. And they began to explain to him, here's what's more. And like I said, we don't know the whole conversation But we start to get a glimpse of what may have been missing in his ministry. Chapter 19, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. So when it said he went to Achaia or Achaia, however you say it, uh, I believe that is in Corinth or Corinth is there. So he went to Corinth and Paul, chapter 19, verse 1, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. So Apollos just left Ephesus. He's in Corinth. Now Paul's in Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, verse two, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So he's talking to disciples in Ephesus. Chances are he's talking to people who became believers as the result of Apollo's ministry. Are you tracking with me here? These people heard Apollo's preach. So what they hear him preach? Repentance. They preached that, that John baptized and you could repent and one came after him. And it was all right and it was all good. It was true. And these guys heard it. The Bible says they're disciples. But Paul said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I like their answer. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> what is this Holy Spirit you speak of? We never even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So what's the answer? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? What, what's the answer? In a word? No. no. No, they didn't. Somebody say there's more. They said, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul said in verse 3, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. So now you know. Now you know what they heard. Now you know who they heard it from. They said, we've been baptized into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, and when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. There's the more. That's it right there. Paul said, here's the door. Here's the door that's going to take you into more right here. I know what you heard. It was good. It was right. It was true. But have you heard about the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, nobody mentioned anything about a, what'd you say? Holy Spirit. He said, let me tell you about it. And he laid his hands on them. And just as they had been baptized in John's baptism, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. It's the more. It's the more. The Holy Spirit is the door into more. And I want to find out, as we look at the scriptures for a few minutes this morning, what's keeping us out? As the body of Christ, what's keeping us out? Even even us here. I believe, like I said, we're, we're stepping into things we never had before. And it's as good or better than it's ever been. But the Bible says that deep 
calls unto deep. Deep calls to deep. And the only way I've ever really known to explain that is to liken it to somebody who's an adventurer, an explorer, and that's what they do with their life. They, they dive the depths of the ocean or they climb the highest heights. And if you've ever watched any of these people, especially in a moment where they've just gone further than anybody's ever gone before, you know what you hear them saying? Even though they may be excited, even though they may be th- that sense of achievement, we've just gone somewhere nobody's ever been, there's still that thing in them that says, I wonder what's deeper. I wonder what's higher. In other words, they're not content. They're not content to just stay there. Okay, we got to where nobody's ever been. We're good. I'm done. They're hungry. The deep place that they've been is crying out to go deeper. And there are places you and I can go, even are going in our fellowship with the Lord and in His presence and in our times together. But as good as it is, as good as it is, and, and we may be experiencing some things here very soon that are better than we've ever experienced before. I can tell you that. Just in these little gatherings that we've been in, this little hospitality room and this handful of people. It's so funny. I'm laughing as I'm standing here or sitting back there and Sarah's standing here this morning preaching about a local church with a global call. And I'm like, there's 18 of us in here. But I have learned that to live and walk by faith, you don't wait till you have something before you start saying something. You say it so that it opens the door to have it. And every time we say that with our mouths, we are a local church with a global call. What we're saying is we may not have it at the moment, but this is where we're headed. Glory to God. That is the assignment and the call we will fulfill. It's like an explorer. It's like somebody going, give me the nations. And that's what he said. Ask of me. I'll give them to you. Give me the nations. How's this little handful of people that, that we are right now? going to change the world. I don't know, but we will. We are. That's that deep thing in you calling out to the deep thing in God. That's the deep thing in you crying out. And we have to access the more. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, if there is more, what could keep us out? What is it that would keep us out of it? Because I want to identify that and deal with it. What was it that kept Apollos or these people he, he preached to? What was it that kept them out of more? What was it that kept them from experiencing that? It's, it's not hard. It's so simple. You know what it was? They hadn't heard. They hadn't heard. We have not so much as heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Yeah. Apollos. Man, this guy's preaching hard. He's preaching heavy with passion. Everything he's heard. Everything. Everything he knows. But what he found out was there was some stuff he didn't know. Mm -hmm. There were some things he hadn't heard. What can keep you out? What can keep you from experiencing the more that God has called us into? Mm -hmm. Just not knowing that it's there. Just not being told, hey, there's more. But then there's another step beyond that. Once somebody says to you, there's more, then what? What what if Apollos had said in response to Priscilla and Aquila, I don't buy that. I'm going to stick with this. Nah, this is what I heard. This is what I grew up with. This is what I was taught. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, that holy what now? What'd you call it? I don't know. It would have kept him out. So you and I both have responsibility in stepping in into and through the door that leads to more. I am going to be one who stands here on a regular basis and declares to you, there's more. There's more. There's more goodness of God. There's more miracle working power. There's more provision. There's more of his presence. There's more than what you and I are currently living in. There is more. And I'm going to tell you that. And we are not going to get to the end of this thing and step over into eternity. And I'm not going to hear the Lord say to me, Jeremy, why didn't you tell him? 
Sarah and I are not going to stand before him and have to hear him say, why didn't you tell him there was more? Huh? Why didn't you tell him about my gift of the Holy Spirit? Come on. Huh? Yeah. It's not going to be that way. What am I going to say? Well, Lord, in 2020, it was kind of a sticky topic. People weren't really sure how they felt about that, and it wasn't exactly relevant. Really. I just don't think it's going to fly. I don't think he's going to buy that. He's going to say, relevant? It wasn't relevant? You trying to tell me that a life preserver is not relevant to a drowning man? That's what's relevant. So we are going to tell you, like I'm doing this morning, there's more. And there's a door that leads to it. But in response to it, it requires, just like everything else, a response of faith. You have to believe it. You've got to believe and receive and accept there is more. And what would keep you from pressing towards it? If somebody said, hey, there's more, there's more available to you. You can be walking in it. You can be living it. You can be experiencing it. You can be a minister of it. What would keep you out of that? What would keep you from believing that? Well, that's a number of things. Some people would say it's too good to be true. Uh, there's always pressure that's put on the word. There's a number of different things. But I'm encouraging you today. Don't let a lack of faith keep you from experiencing the more that he's got for us. And that's the only thing. When you boil it all down, what can keep you out of it? You can put a bunch of different labels on it and come up with a bunch of different reasons. But at the end of the day, it'll be according to your faith. According to your faith. So the reason these guys weren't walking in it to this point was simply because they hadn't heard. Now go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. More than anything, Sarah and I are grateful for the word that we've heard in our lives, in our marriage. I can't begin to express to you the gratitude that we have for the people that have taught us the word, for the people that have gone before the Lord and got revelation and stood on a platform and proclaimed it with boldness and unapologetically. And they said, this is what the word says. And this is who the Lord is. And this is who you are in him. And this is what you have in him. And this is what you can do in him. And this is what you can be in him. And I'm so thankful and will be eternally thankful. And I mean that eternally. It, this stuff is, it lasts forever. The word that you've heard, it is eternal. And I'm so grateful for it. So thankful for it. And I'm so thankful that the Lord has enabled us to respond to it in faith. I'm not saying we've done it all exactly right, but I can tell you that our lives are different because of the way we've responded to the word that we've heard. And one of the things our pastor says to us and to and people all the time, he said, the, the life you live, the quality of life that you live will be determined by the quality of the word that you hear. The quality of life that you live will be determined by the quality of the word that you hear. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is now writing to this church in Corinth in verse 1. He said, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. The, the cross-reference there talks about the mystery of God. Now just get comfortable here for a second because I'm going to read several verses to you. I may just read this entire chapter to you. But I want you to pick up on something here in light of what we're talking about. Paul said, when I came, I didn't come talking this way. I didn't come with excellence of speech. I didn't come with um, wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. He said in verse 2, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's a little bit like saying, I just know this one part, Right? It's not the baptism of John, but it's what came after it. Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I determined not to know anything else among you. And you'll see why in just a moment. He said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith 
should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Such an interesting passage of scripture, especially as a minister looking at this. Paul's writing to them and he's literally having to say, I had to decide what I was going to say and how I was going to say it to you. And he said, I could not come to you. I was not going to come to you with persuasive words. Now, this is a brilliant man. Even before the Lord got a hold of him, this is a brilliant man, a sharp man, and a well-educated man. In the book of Philippians, he went through his whole pedigree and resume, and he was a Hebrew among Hebrews, and concerning zeal, he was a Pharisee of the law. This is a brilliant man. And if anybody had the ability to stand up and proclaim with passion and perfection, it was him. And he knows, just like you and I know, that those words can be persuasive. But he said, I decided I'm not going to do any of that. All I'm going to know among you, this is it. This is all I'm going to say. Jesus Christ, him crucified. That's where you start, right? And he said, I wanted it. I wanted you not to be persuaded by my words, but I wanted you to see the spirit in demonstration and in power. But notice what he said in verse six. However, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. He's saying, I, there were some things I decided not to say to you. Some things I can say. Some things I have said to other people, but not to you. Now, what he said was good. Would you agree with what Paul said to them is good? Jesus Christ, him crucified. Was that good? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Is there more? Yes. However, we speak Wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. What's he saying? There's more. Natural eye hasn't seen it. Natural ear hasn't heard it, but there is more. Verse 10, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. There's the door to more. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the, oh, come on. The what? The deep things. The deep things. The deep crying out to deep. How do you get deeper? How do you go deeper? It's not with your natural mind. It's not with your natural eyes and ears. It's with and through and by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that we have been, that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, listen to this, verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he, who, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Keep going into chapter 3. And I, brethren, notice this, could not speak to you as spiritual people. I couldn't do it. Now you know why he said what he did at the beginning of chapter two. I just came not with wisdom, not with persuasive words. All I could do was demonstrate the spirit and power. All I could do was preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you're thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Are you kidding me? Nothing. Jesus Christ and him crucified will save your life and change your life. That's powerful stuff, but, but there's more. more. Now he's saying, I couldn't do it though. What did he say in chapter three, verse one? I brother, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people. What is it that's keeping us out of more? Well, number one, just not hearing, but Hey, check it out. You're hearing right now. Like right, right. The second you are hearing there's more. What else will keep you out? 
being too natural. Just being too carnal. Just, just paying way too much attention to what's seen, to what's felt, to what's heard, to living in this natural, physical world. But I'm telling you, Lord, help me say it. There is so much more to this life than just a natural existence. And this scripture kind of ticks me off a little bit. It makes me a little bit mad at the people that he's writing to. Now, I have no place judging them because I've been just as guilty as they were. But Paul's saying to you, I, there's more I wanted to say. Yes. I'm like, we could have had more scripture. We could have had more words from God. But he's saying, I couldn't say it. Why? Because you couldn't hear it. He said, I couldn't even speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able for you are still carnal. Now ask any baby is milk good and they will tell you, but that means yes, it's good. That means it's good. Milk is good, man. I'm not dogging milk. I'm not. Man, when you feed a baby milk, it nourishes them and they grow and they grow miraculously fast and they're satisfied with it and they crave it and they want it. Milk is good. But there comes a time, a few years down the road, that it's not enough. You should be wanting more. Something solid. Why? Because the body needs it. What used to be totally sufficient to feed and nourish and strengthen that same body is now not enough. It needs more. It craves more. It needs something solid, right? And Paul's saying, I want to give you more. But I couldn't. All I could do, I, 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 preached, I preached truth and it was good and it helps. But I was limited. Why? Because of how carnal, how natural living just in this natural existence. And I'm telling you, there's more to this life than nine to five. There's more to this life than waking up and brushing your teeth and getting dressed and eating breakfast and kissing her goodbye and going to work and coming home and hugging the kids and going to bed and waking up. But there are people that are stuck, right? In this natural existence. And you know they're frustrated. Yeah. It's common knowledge yeah. that people do stupid stuff and make dumb decisions in their lives because they're stuck in that grind, they call it, stuck in that natural, that it just feels mundane existence, and there's something in them crying out for more, but they don't know. They think they can, they can fill that hole with, with another relationship. They think they can fill that hole with a substance. They think they can fill that hole with a change of scenery or a change of pace. But it's just evidence there's something in them crying out for more. What's keeping them out of it? Number one, they've never heard where to look for it. And number two, they don't even recognize that there is a realm of the Spirit. And they're stuck in this natural carnal world. But I hear the Lord calling me, and as He calls me, I'm calling you. We're coming out of that. We are coming out of this, this natural, mundane existence. There is more. There is a realm and a reality called the spirit realm that you and I are called to live our lives in. We coexist in both of these. But that's the one we're called into. That's the one we're called to live out of. And it's upon us to find out and figure out in our lives the things that drain us and the things that sustain us. What's taken life from you and what's given life to you. And I promise you, the more you feed on natural stuff, it's taken life from you. It's just a drain. It's just a drain. It's like trying to fill up a bathtub that hadn't been plugged. You can pour into it and pour into it and pour into it and pour into it. 
But until that drain gets stopped, you're getting nowhere. It's not getting filled up. But one of the earmarks of the early days of the church, and I believe it will be one of the markers of the early days of this church, is that they were filled. Filled with what? Filled with hours of Netflix. (laughs) Filled with lots of knowledge about sports. (laughs) Filled with lots of education. No? Filled with the Spirit. They were filled to the spirit, with the Spirit to the point where it overflowed out of their mouths. We have to decide what we want in our lives. Will it be what drains us or will it be what sustains us? Peter said it to Jesus. Your words are the words of life. That's what's sustaining us. That's what's keeping us. So what would keep us out? Not hearing that there's more, not believing that there's more, or being too consumed with the natural. Last scripture, go to the book of John with me. Chapter 16. I've told you that story before. It bears repeating though. A number of years ago, we came to the fall of that year and we had been traveling a lot. Sarah and I had been ministering, I think earlier that year we had launched or or we're getting ready to launch the television ministry, just a lot going on in our lives at the time. And I came to the fall that year and was so, so tired, just tired on the inside, you know? And, uh, I just remember the kids were little and we'd get them in bed at night and just right after we'd get them to bed, I'd go crawl up in bed and night after night after night, I just kept checking out with mindless television And I'd put my headphones on, so I'm not even sitting there fellowshipping with my wife, this gift from God. But I'm just checking out, right? I'm just unhooking. Don't want to use my brain. Definitely don't want to use my spirit. And just watching hours and hours on end of television. And I just sensed for weeks the Lord calling me out of that, just saying, Jeremy, press into me. Press into me. Press into me. And by the end of that year, I felt so drained, so spiritually drained. And I thought, well, maybe it's just because I've been working hard, but that's no excuse. When the Lord's sitting there calling me into that fellowship with him, he's saying that that you're feeding on is what's draining you. I will sustain you. And we got to the end of that year. And you remember me telling you the stories just a few weeks ago, Jesse got suddenly sick one night, couldn't breathe, couldn't talk. All night long, she would slip off into sleep and then wake herself up, unable to breathe. And I'm trying to lay my hands on her and I'm trying to declare the word and pray over her. And I could sense that it was doing nothing, man. There was no power in it. And by the grace of God, we got her to the doctor the next morning. They knew what it was, got her fixed up. She was great. But man, I was not. Lord, what's going on? Where's the power I've been taught to believe that I possess? And he just very calmly let me know, Jeremy, you're trying to bear fruit without abiding in me. In other words, you are completely drained of power. You cannot take a bath in an empty tub, not get clean. He was calling me into this place saying, I've got what will sustain you. Basically what he was saying was there's more. In John chapter 16, is this helping anybody? Are you guys okay? Almost done. Kiddos, you guys are so patient. My kids have a hard time with this because they listen to my teaching at night when they go to sleep. So the sound of my voice is programmed to make them sleepy. So bless their hearts. They have a a challenge every Sunday morning. What if I change my voice? What if I I talk like this the whole time? Will that help you? Then you'd just be embarrassed. Okay. John chapter 16, look at what Jesus said in verse 5. This is just not long before he goes to the cross. He said to his disciples, John 16, 5, Now I go away to him who sent me. (laughs) This makes me laugh. And none of you ask me, where are you going? (laughs) But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. I mean, can you imagine hearing that? 
If you're one of Peter and the boys and you're standing there and you've just spent every day of the last three years of your life with this man and you've seen things, not only things that you've never seen, you've seen things that nobody's ever seen. You've heard things that no human ears have ever heard. And your life just in that short amount of time has so been dramatically and radically changed, turned inside out and upside down. You are not the same person you were just a few years before. And now this same guy is standing here telling you it's better if he goes away. If I'm one of those guys, I'm standing there going, Jesus, you've been right about a lot of stuff, but you are wrong about that. There is no way it's better for me without you. And you can see the challenge they were having. He said, I'm leaving. And not one of you stopped to say, really? Where? Where are you going? Why? He said, because sorrow filled your heart. What is that? So they're, they're living so completely in the natural that the only thing they can see and can't see past is the fact that he said he's leaving. And that's depressing. (laughs) It's just depressing. Why? Because if you're leaving, I got to go back. What? Fishing? Hmm. I got to go back to some life that I thought I'd left forever? Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. It's to your advantage. It's better for you if I go away. Why? For if I don't go away, the helper, who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit, the door to more. The Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they don't believe in me. Righteousness because I go to my father, you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now listen, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't hear them. We're right back where Paul was with Corinth. Are you kidding me? Jesus, there were more red words I could have had. There were more words out of the mouth of Jesus that you and I could have had, but why don't we have them? Because they couldn't hear them. (laughs) We're judging them, but we're guilty of the same stuff. He said, there's there. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. What's that mean? If he's telling you things to come, not not about what's here and now, but about the future. What's he saying? Come on, help me out. What's he saying? There's more. It's out there. It's in front. There's more. Come on, let me show it to you. Let me lead you into it. How does he know there's more? Because he's already been there. As a matter of fact, he's there right now. I thought he was here right now. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So is he there or is he here? Yes. Yes, he is. He's in our future. He inhabits eternity. There's more. Jesus said, there's more I want to say to you, but you can't hear it. So the question is, if there's more, how much more? I like what Jesus said in verse 12 in the New Living Translation. Can you put that up there for us? John 16, 12. How much more is there, Jesus? He says this. There is, John 16, 12. Look at that. There is, say it with me. So so much more. How much more is there? So So much more. There's so much more. How do we get there? Is it by our reasoning? Is it by figuring it out? Is it by committee? How's this church going to get there? Is it going to be by Sarah and I and our team sitting down and strategizing? And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But that's not how we get into the more that he's called us. How does this church get there? How does your house get there? How do you husbands, how do you wives, how do we as families get through the door into more? It's by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. And if that means we got to turn down the voice on some natural stuff, then so be it. If we got to cancel some subscriptions, so be it. If we got to turn some things off and turn some other things on, it's worth it. Now, 
over the last day or so, just sitting at the house getting ready to come talk to you about this, I got to be honest with you. I'm telling you, this is as much for me as it is for you or anybody else. I'm filled with the Spirit. Yes. I don't mind telling you that. I've been born again and filled with the Spirit. There is, as our pastors told us, there's one initial reception. But there are many subsequent fillings. The way the language is even written, the scripture tells us, be being filled with the Spirit of God. You fill up, and then you fill up again. And then you fill up again. And then you fill up again. We can stay full. Those same people that got filled with the Spirit in Acts 2 are the exact same ones that got filled with the Spirit again in Acts 4 and throughout the book of Acts. You see it over and over. They were filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. Why? Because there's more. And the only way to get there is by the Spirit. Amen? I believe the Lord is going to talk to us about this over the next several weeks. But my message to you this morning is simple. I'm declaring to you, first of all, there's more. There's more. And I want you living in pursuit of it. But secondly, I want us to be awake and aware to the things that are trying to keep us out. Right. And if we're awake to it, we won't let it. Yes. We won't let it stop us. Won't let it keep the door closed. Amen? Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817 817- You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text Legacy and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.